The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Hello, I'm Susie Jones. Welcome to Your Money. If you have a financial question for Bruce Helmer or Peg Webb, you can call the number 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 888-6-ADVICE. And you can certainly email your questions at any time to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. During this show, you can call or text us in our studio here at 651-461-9226. That's 651-461-9226. That is the number to both call with a question and to text with a question. Now here is Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor, Peg Webb, along with Bruce Helmer, the Founder and Financial Advisor, of Wealth Enhancement Group. Hello, Bruce and Peg. What are we talking about today? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hi, Peg. Hi, Susie. So Bruce, what, I Peg, miss you. <laughs> I just was going to say that. So um, frequent listeners to the show know that the last couple of weeks, you missed a couple and I missed a couple. One of us was here, but both of us were not here and when I when you're not here, I realize again, not that I didn't know it, but I just realize how much you add and how much easier the show is with you and more enjoyable the show is with you. So yeah, I missed you. And Peg, I have forgotten. I, I actually started doing this thing in January of nineteen ninety seven. Wow. But how long have I have you been uh, a regular with me? I lose track of time. Um, it actually is ten years now. Really? Ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I looked back a, a couple weeks ago, and I was shocked myself that that many years have gone by. Doesn't the time fly? And it goes faster as we get older, doesn't it? It does. It does. But what I can tell the listeners is it sounds like you and I are going to be together here for quite some time now, probably through the end of the year. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. I, I was thinking you had something ahead. else going. What? I said, looking ahead, it looks like we're pretty solid the rest of the year, being together. Good. Okay, that's great. Good, good, good. So today, uh, Susie, to answer your question, took us a while to get there. Um, Peg and I are going to talk about mortgages, and specifically mortgages um, as you head into retirement. And Peg, this is really kind of a, a subset topic of a topic that you and I talk about a lot, not only on the radio show, but also with clients and, and, you know, in our daily practice. And that is this issue of debt and efficient debt versus inefficient debt or good debt versus bad debt. So let's jump into this. We're going to talk about mortgages and should you uh, uh, have your mortgage paid off before you retire and all these good things that uh, people do ask us about and I know are concerned about as they head in to their retirement years. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the efficient debt and what we call kind of the bad debt because 
mortgages fall under the efficient debt, meaning that there's an asset that's backing the loan. So the opposite of that is me out shopping and I see these (laughs) shoes that I just have to buy and they're a little pricey, but yet I'm like, oh, I'm worth it. I've been working hard. All this justification you can do to yourself. And then I bring the shoes home and I actually probably couldn't resell those for, or if I could, maybe 10% of what I just paid. So that's actually bad uh, debt because I put that on a credit card and that credit card was double digits. And so that's just an extreme example there, but probably proves the point. So, Peg, I have a question for you because uh, back to the home mortgage piece, and I know you're going to get to it, but is it somewhat, uh, was it always sort of a goal somewhere in our back of our minds to get your home paid off? Like that was a... Mark, a good champion, oh, you got your house all paid off. And has that changed over the years as you talk about what you're talking about today? Yeah, so I remember those years too, Susie, in that that was just a mission. Well, I also also remember the years just kind of in the history book of when home home ownership was actually uh, available to people. I mean, this isn't that long ago that the masses were able to purchase a home, but it's because this borrowing feature came out. And then it also was a, a time frame when people didn't really borrow money. Uh, like my parents, I didn't even know what a credit card was until I got to college. And then when I understood credit cards, I thought they were the best thing that's ever happened to me, (laughs) meaning the shoes, the shoes, I could go out and buy all sorts of things. But what I didn't realize at the time is when the first uh, payment or the um, bill came and it was just, you know, so low compared to the balance that I owed, I thought this is great, but then I didn't realize that when I started adding more dollars of debt on top of that, that the payment actually monthly was going to grow as well. And then, so I had to learn that on my own. My parents didn't say, hey, you need to understand debt at the time. So you're right, Susie, in that it's it's actually a a newer concept, but one that um, the, the masses felt like, yes, we'll borrow the money from the bank, but we really want to pay that back as soon as we can because there was such pride in being debt-free. But now for most Americans, their home is their biggest asset. And according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 62% of Americans carry some kind of a home mortgage. So I do believe it's differently today because one out of four people, you know, they don't even know the rate that they're actually paying on their mortgage, which is kind of shocking based on this bank rate survey that was done in 2020. That kind of concerns me in that you would think that if you owe somebody something and you're actually paying interest, that you would know what percentage you're paying. So um, so kind of just wrapping that up and looking at the big picture at Wealth Enhancement Group, and I think, Bruce, you were uh, alluding to this, in our practice, We deal with this good debt, bad debt every single day, and I still see a lot of emotion around having a mortgage as you enter retirement. Bruce? Yeah, uh, Peg and Susie, I totally agree with everything Peg just said, Susie. 
Um, I think the idea, I think there is, has been an idea in our culture and it's not a bad idea that the mortgage should be paid off before you retire. But I've got more and more clients now that have come to realize that it's not necessarily uh, going to prevent them from retiring with the lifestyle that they want if they continue to have a mortgage. The key is they have to look at their total expenses at retirement. And so in addition to the mortgage, what other expenses do you have? And can you afford all of those things and, and, and not run out of money before you run out of breath? And we help them do those calculations. Um, but Peg just said something really profound. Peg, you know, I saw that study also, and in my personal experience, the, the study said one in four or 25%. I think it's even higher than that. When new clients come in to me and we try to get our arms around where they're at financially, we get to know them personally also, and we start by talking about core values and goals and objectives. But eventually we dig down into the financials. And when I ask what the interest rate is on the mortgage, I think it's more often than one in four. They don't know. Yeah. And, and that you're right. You really ought to know that number. That's that's very surprising to me. Bruce, it's it like I this is Susie. I always think of a financial advisor as like going to the priest to to confess. I really do, because I mm-hmm. think that out a lot of people, myself included, like to live with their head buried in the sand. I don't really want to think about that. I don't want to think about how high the credit card debt is or what the interest rate is. I don't want to think about my house. And it's really kind of scary to peel back the onion and say, it's all right. Better to know than to not know. And if you know, you can have a plan. But if you don't know, kind of hard to plan for what you don't know. Am I speaking? Does that make sense to you guys? Excellent. That's excellent. Peg, that's just Susie's brilliant. Yeah, it, it actually makes so much sense that um, even in my own everyday life, something that I'm not as familiar with. So I do this for a living, right? I coach clients every single day. And um, it's easier to do things when you know how to do them. Yeah. Or you you have a concept of, oh, well, even if I know my interest rate on my mortgage, does it even make sense to keep it? like trying to put everything else in context financially in your financial picture is very difficult for people to get their arms around the whole picture. So hence where we come in and, and, and you can start with, you know, as simple as, Hey, assets, liabilities, what do you own? What do you owe? Um, just a good start. But then most people start to, to struggle. And Bruce, you brought this up is when, and I brought it up too, like when people retire, then they really are wondering, like, can I retire when you have debt? Like, how can this be? It seems like I should have this all paid off. Well, then we just break down the expenses that you have. And is it is it actually good debt in that what I find, Bruce and Susie, is that people don't have a huge percentage left on their mortgage when they're going into retirement? And so in a lot of cases, they're just paying down principal anyway. Wow. It's not necessarily a whole lot of interest that's going to a bank. Um, we also dive into the expenses of the whole family unit, meaning 
maybe there's some uh, wasted money there that has nothing to do with their mortgage, but yet they could keep the mortgage if they would lower their expenses on things that don't necessarily matter anymore once you go into retirement. So those are the things that we talk about, and I see a lot of comfort in people who are getting ready to retire or soon to retire or they just retired, it's not too late to to get your arms around, you know, having the confidence, hey, the debt I have is good and, you know, I got rid of the bad debt and I know what my expenses are. I know what my cash flow is going to be. I actually personally can't even imagine not knowing all that and actually quitting my job, like retiring. (laughs) Right, right. Right. Once again, I used a job. So. Yeah. It's interesting, you guys, because I will jump in and say that I recently, in the last month, refinanced my house and put all of my bad debt, credit card debt, into that. So I will have a home mortgage payment in my retirement. But I feel that that was a good choice for me. And again, it made sense to clear that bad debt and have this one piece of debt that's good. Obviously, there's tax implications, I think, right? Can we still take our houses off, the whole mortgage interest off when we're... Yeah, if if your total itemized deductions are higher than the standard deduction, then that mortgage interest is deductible. So, Susie, yes, that's a great point, and and that's something that if you hadn't already done that, we might have coached you to do that. Mm -hmm. So you're not really increasing your debt. The amount of your debt is the same but you're making it more efficient. You're moving it so it's backed by what is probably an appreciating asset, your house. It's probably a lower interest rate. That interest might be tax deductible, and it's probably amortized over a longer period of time, so it frees up capital for investing or lifestyle or a combination of both because less money now is probably going into into debt service. The key to that, though, and I can almost – here, Peg, thinking this, the key to that is don't run up the credit card debt again now that you've done that. Make sure that you're disciplined with your spending so you don't you don't have to go through the process again five years from now. But the fact that you did that was almost certainly the, 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 the appropriate thing to do. And, Peg, I want to I kind of lead you back again because I, I, you really taught me this. Whenever we've had discussions, the radio show or otherwise, about this good debt versus bad debt or efficient debt versus inefficient debt, you pointed out something really brilliant, and it's true in my client base also, but I hadn't thought of it before. You said, well, there might be things like a mortgage that are efficient, but in my experience, my most financially successful clients, my best clients, are debt-free, and that, and, and that should be the goal. And, and I think you're right. But now having said that, and it sounds like I'm arguing with myself, I want you to jump in. <laughs> I'm going to raise my hand and say, and I don't, I don't mean to sound ostentatious or boastful or I, none of that. I'm just speaking factually. My assets, my net worth, my income, most people would say I've been blessed to be financially successful. And I have the economic wherewithal. I could write a check tomorrow morning and pay off my mortgage. I choose not to pay off my mortgage because the interest rate is two and five eighths percent. I do know my interest rate and I deduct that interest. And I just think that's cheap money. And rather than put that money to pay off uh, my home, which is an asset, 
I choose to keep that money somewhere else where I think it's working more efficiently for me. So I totally agree with you, Peg, that our most successful clients probably are debt-free, but I could be debt-free and I choose not to be. Yeah, and and this is where you and you and I differ a little bit in that I, I, I if you want to you know have a mortgage and invest as well on the side, and the reason that I'm pro debt free is because of human behavior, and human behavior you know outside of uh, Bruce, you're so knowledgeable and have been in this business for so long that it's almost easy for you to make that decision where with other people, they actually carry the debt and then they don't save outside of that debt. And then decades go by and they don't have this money that they need to retire one day. So I think that's what I witnessed and said, hey, when I see these financial balance sheets that I've seen for three decades now of individual people, that the most successful ones were the ones that had that um, the big mortgages paid off, and then they were willing, because they had then the confidence, to invest that money uh, that they had, um, you know, extra. But then I just thought of this this morning, too, is and I feel like the right answer of is it right for you or isn't it right for you, and this actually makes sense now, is that the right answer really depends on your tolerance for financial risk. I thought of this today and I'm thinking the clients that love to be debt free, they actually are more on the conservative side of the scale than taking big risks with their lives and with their money. So um, I, I think that adds to it as well. And then the other thing I wanted to add here quickly was uh, when you think about the deduction on a mortgage, we had this thing called the Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017 which actually reduced how much we could actually write off on our taxes. And they capped it at 750000 based on your first house and your second house, if you have a second home. Can't have a third home and add that in there, too. But then, then the act came and Trump changed it where we have this bigger standard deduction. So now I'm finding that 75% of my clients aren't really deducting their mortgage anyway, mm-hmm. Now, you could argue today that the interest rates are so low that it doesn't even matter if you don't get the deduction right now, but you have to look a little bit longer term than that. So there's more planning into it today, Bruce and Susie, than I thought there was even a couple of years ago. I just want to jump in yeah. and tell you that we have one texture on, uh, we have many questions, but one pertains to exactly this, is that those mortgage rates, you know, you Bruce mentioned what, two point something you have, uh, so with them, two and five eight. I know you like to brag about that because that's a good number. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, though, I do think that that is something to look at as well, Peg, in the big picture about the interest rates, because that does cause people to say, what am I going to do with this debt and should I put it all into this? Also, I had a second question um, about uh, investing while you're retired. I never thought about that before, but that's you should be doing that, I assume. Right? Peg or Bruce? Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if if you can, Peg, let's do this. I'm I'm uh let's uh, let's answer Susie's question 
And then uh, anything else that we didn't get to, if we have time, we've got a little over a minute left. Let's uh, maybe put a bundle on the topic, or maybe we'll need to hit on some things when we come back. But in the second half, I want mostly to uh, be driven by uh, listeners' questions. But, Susie, you're asking great questions on behalf of the listeners. So, so Peg, again, you get to this debt service at retirement and also investing at retirement. All right. Yeah, I want to I want to address this two and five eighths right now because what people tend to do is make a decision based in isolation and a period of time that they can see. Where um, and and now we look back and say we shoulda coulda wish I did take a mortgage and invest all my other money into the stock market because um, we can now look back and it's twenty twenty vision. Where we have to look forward, though, and say, okay, am I willing to invest and stick with a plan, stick with a, a financial plan uh, oh, through decades of time? Because what happens, and this happened in 2008, 2009, where, yeah, people were doing that. But when that market crashed, guess what? They were sitting with this debt, and they were petrified. Now yep. they, they have all this debt, their stock market is down 50%, and that human behavior, which I talked about earlier, that's the biggest um, risk that individuals have is they do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Which is really hard to gauge. I mean, you, you know, like you said, 2020 is great, but who knew? Who could have predicted, you know, 2008? I mean, you don't know what you don't know. But I do under, I mean, I think it's always good all of this is just very enlightening, and it's really important for people to pay attention to. And I know it's uncomfortable at times to look at. It's a little bit scary to look at, but it's important to look at it. And on the next half hour of this program, Your Money, we'll get to some of that, plus your calls at 651-461-9226. If you have a question for Bruce or Peg, you can also text us that same line, 651-461-9226. This program is sponsored. Helmer, the founder and financial advisor of Wealth Enhancement Group. We have Ken on our line to ask you a question. Ken is calling from Chanhassen. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Bruce. I've been with you folks since approximately your inception. I remember our original meeting was with the, your other partner. I remember... I can't think of a specific name, but you were referring to his grandpa, and he was just a very great guy. But anyway, uh, I have two two questions. One one simple. The first one was: Is the MRD still required, or is there a waiver again this year for taking withdrawals? Yes. And what's the second? Ken, what's the second question? Okay, and the second question is involves. Adult children that are in dire financial straits, close to bankruptcy, can they make a withdrawal from their college savings plan? And also, could you recommend or should I meet privately with Justin, who's my advisor there, to discuss they need some professional help. And I know you maybe you folks can't do it being they're not a client, but and I know you can't maybe say over the air, but I, I could talk to Justin after I visit with you and maybe he could give me someone that could help him dig their way out of their mess? That's a good question, though. Can a person take money out of their own, 40, own 529 if it's being managed by another person? Hey, Ken, first of all, th- thanks for listening, and thanks for your loyalty to Wealth Enhancement Group. And uh, You've got a great advisor with Justin, and you probably started with one of my co-founding partners, 
Jerry Bernard is who you were referring to, I think. Um, Peg, so number one, Ken wants to know about required minimum distributions because because of COVID, there had been kind of a one-year moratorium on that. And then the second question is just anything and everything, I guess, that we can come up with to help him help uh, adult children going through some financial stuff and specifically uh, taking money out of retirement plans, I guess. Yeah, so Ken, when we're talking about required minimum distributions, and just for listeners' sake, that is actually a mandatory distribution when you reach 72 years old. The um, old age, or the former age, I should say, was 70 and a half. So 70 and a half um, was previous to January 1st of 2020. That's when it changed to 72. So last year, Bruce, you're right, there was a COVID reprieve that said no one had to take their required minimum distribution in 2020 because of COVID. Now in 2021, we're back to business as usual. We have got to take those required minimum distributions by December 31st of this year. So we're working hard on getting all of our clients get that money out uh, here in the next couple months. The second question about adult children and struggling financially, yes, there are services that um, and recommendations that we can give you for kind of credit counseling and places that help people, like what what debt should you, uh, you know, decrease? If you do have some assets, what liquidity features do you have with those assets? But then generally too, Ken, I know you mentioned and, and said, hey, I know you can't possibly give us advice on somebody you're not a client with. Uh, I would disagree uh, with my clients. When they bring up their children and grandchildren, we can talk about financial topics and ideas conceptually all day long. So if you do have a question, we do not hesitate to say, hey, um, you know, this is what I would do in my shoes or here's some resources that you can utilize. All right. We do have a caller. Uh, oh, Susie, Susie, I'm sorry. Susie, I want to add one thing to that, please. Okay, please. Um, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Ken, um, one specific idea that may or may not be applicable, Ken and listeners, and Peg, I know you've done this before too. So as parents, we love our children no matter how old they are, they're, they're always our children, whether they're, you know, uh, little kids or 30, 40, 50 years old, they're, they're our children, and we want to help them if we can. One of the ways that my clients sometimes help their kids is through what I would call an intra-family loan. So if, the, if mom and dad have the economic wherewithal to lend money to their children, not give them money because parents want our kids to stand on their own two feet, but if we can help them pay off that onerous debt, whether it's credit card debt or whatever it is, at a high interest rate, and then pay us back at a much lower interest rate, it's a win for the kid because we've softened the blow a little bit and made the debt more palatable. And it might even be a win for mom and dad because not only the emotional, um, I love my children and I want to help them, but if it's money that you have in the bank earning one-tenth of one percent, Maybe you charge your kids 2 or 3% interest, and you're earning a higher interest rate than the bank is paying you, but they're paying a much lower interest rate than they're paying their current creditors. So that's something that I've done many times in my career, 
and I don't know if that's applicable in Ken's situation or not, but I wanted to throw it out there. Thank you. All right, very good. Let's go to Deb, who is calling from Rogers, Minnesota. Deb, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Hi, Deb. I've got a question. Hi, how are you? Question regarding, I'm 67, 67 years old. I have my house paid off, so I'm doing fine on what I get from Social Security. I have a 401k with 249000 in it. Am I better off taking an amount out now? I mean, I don't need the money, or do I just wait till I'm 72 tax-wise? What's the best thing to do? Hey, Deb, did you say you're retired? Yes, I am, uh-huh. And your 401k is with your former employer? Um, it's with Fidelity. Okay, Fidelity is probably the custodian where you used to work, correct? No, I, I used to work for a different company, but that was the plan they had with okay. through Fidelity. Okay, did you, let me, I'm, I'm sorry, to, uh, uh, but I want to be clear before we try to answer. Did you move uh-huh. your 401k after you retired to an individual retirement account, or is it still in a company 401k? No, it's in a, in a retirement account. An IRA. Okay. Okay, right. that helps a lot. Ben? Yeah, one of the things I want to address right away is your question, Deb, about taxes. And I, I love that you brought this up because you're 67 years old, your house is paid off, you're probably a standard deduction, and you um, have Social Security coming in. Should you or shouldn't you take some of that 401k money out prior to 72 years old? Once again, I love this question because it actually, there's a whole bunch of ripples here. If indeed you have low income, you're retired, you don't have that income, you have Social Security income, but you have very little other income, you may be getting your Social Security tax-free. Like you may not be paying a lot on your Social Security Um, on your taxes. So that's the first thing we look at. Secondly, if there's some room in there to soak up, is what we call it, some of these low brackets, uh, then we do a calculation to say, would it make sense to take 5,000 out or 10,000 out and just either put that in your checking account or do a Roth conversion? Because if you don't need the money, you could just recode that money uh, into a Roth and then that would grow uh, tax-free over time. So those are calculations that we do. And it might be different, Deb, every single year. You may decide you want to do that one year and then take a lower um, income on Social Security or the lower tax. The other thing I ask people is, who's the money going to go to if something happens to you? Are they going to be in a different tax bracket than you are? So you may sacrifice and pay a little bit more tax today than the beneficiaries that you have on the accounts um, in the future, uh, Bruce. Um, Peg, that I was just I was just texting that usually I, I was, I was going to tell Susie usually after you answer I like to maybe add something. That answer was so good <laughs> I have nothing to add, Susie. <laughs> well, we'll remind people our text line is six five one four six one nine. It is 651-461-9226. A texter writes, your thoughts on the near-term outlook for mortgage rates. You can decide who wants to take Uh, that one. Yeah, I'll take it. Well, I'll take it. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, so it's timely because the Federal Reserve just met, and they did hint that they're going to stop, um, they're going to try to stop manipulating interest rates to stay low. And what they're doing is, is right now they're out buying all sorts of bonds in the open market, treasury bonds, corporate bonds, all sorts of bonds. And they're creating this activity, which actually keeps interest rates fictitiously low. So if they start easing that, that means that the supply and demand of bonds will create what the future of our interest rates are going to be. Well, interest rates are so low right now that um, we kind of predict that there has to be a lot of increases over the next couple of years uh, to actually even matter as far as we're concerned. So I think interest rates and our firm thinks interest rates will stay low at least probably through 2022. Um, and we don't that the Fed can really dramatically change things given the conditions that we're in right now with, you know, still the labor shortages, the, um, the, the pent-up demand for supplies that are still on ships out there. We have a lot to do, uh, I think, before they can start really raising rates dramatically. A texture writes, I saw something yesterday warning about a big financial dive due to microship, microchip shortage because of the delay of goods out in the still in the ships uh it affects everything that we use can you share on this topic it sounded like it could be a second depression i don't know if that's accurate but go ahead um go ahead and your thoughts on this shortage that we're talking about you want to go first (laughs) you can go first on this one all right all right jump in if i if i miss something um so, Susie and listeners, I would tell you, I think I might have even saw that headline, although I didn't follow up and, and read the rest of it, but I think I actually uh, saw what the texture is referring to. So, I do a lot of research and a lot of reading uh, in my free time, what little free time I have, and there are certain places or certain people within the financial services industry that I think have high credibility, and I and I tend to... Uh, agree with the things they write and say. And there are others that are always predicting doom and gloom. They're always predicting a crash, and they will they will try to market a service or a newsletter saying, and I called the crash of 2008, and what they neglect to say is they also called 100, 100 other crashes that never happened, but a stop clock can even be right twice a day. So, the, the specific thing in the economy about microchips or whether you're talking about that or supply chain or the supply and demand issues or the, or the shortage of workers issues, all those things right now, in my opinion, are short-lived. And they're still, at the end of the day, the, the reason behind it is still COVID. Um, we're not done with this yet. COVID is, is, you know, we thought for a while we were on the verge of being past it. And then the Delta variant came in full force, and we're not past it. And I really think a lot of these issues, a lot of these problems, will get better once we are fully past the pandemic. When will that be? I don't know. I'm I'm not an oncologist or an expert in infectious disease, but I hope and think it's probably going to be sometime next year. So I think Wealth Enhancement Group overall, when you look at the various factors that we look at, 
to try to anticipate markets, and it probably behooves me to say no one knows for sure what's going to happen in the short term. No one does, including us. But based on our best data today, I think we have reasons for cautious optimism. And um, I'm actually, I think personally, that 2022 will be an up year in the market. Is there a a correction or a retraction out there somewhere? Absolutely. When will it be? I have no idea. How low will it go? I have no idea. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that it won't be next year, and I'm pretty confident that there will be one at some time. But I don't think we're headed towards a depression because of a shortage of microchips. Peg? I have nothing to add. That was perfect. <laughs> you guys are just each other's cheerleaders today. Uh, let's take a, a call here. We've got about five minutes left in the show. Mark is calling from Bloomington. Good morning, Mark, or good afternoon. Good morning. Um, my question is, I'm a firefighter, and I'm planning on retiring sometime next year. And I've been there, a firefighter for 23 years, so I have my pension is in PERA, which is the Public Employees Retirement Fund. I worked 20 years in uh, Social Security wages beforehand. Do I have an offset on Social Security wages because I didn't pay Social Security on the PRA money? Hey, Mark, first of all, I want to jump in before, you know, Peg probably will give a great technical answer. But I want to thank you for being a firefighter. I think as a country, we do not show proper appreciation for guys like you, first responders, our firefighters, our law enforcement, our, our military and I just want to personally thank you for the work that you do. What a, you know, what a, you put your life at risk to, to, to help others. And I just want to thank you. Peg, um, I've seen this before, too, where someone has, ha- has had a job where they contribute to Social Security, but also a job, maybe it's a, a federal employee or a postal employee, where there's a different benefit. And I don't remember how, how that works together. Yeah, I don't have all the details, but what I can tell you is uh, Social Security uh, has a wonderful website. And this is this is just full disclosure for everybody listening, how great and how they've enhanced their website. And it's, um, it's ssa.gov. And if you haven't gone on there, you should at least go on there and actually get updates on your benefits, whether you're receiving them today or whether you're anticipating uh, claiming those benefits down the road, if you go on and sign in, uh, you have to set up a password and all of that. But then if you scroll down on the first page, there's actually a calculator there that would help you. And you can plug in what your um, Social Security number is, or, or they'll identify it by you signing up. But then you'd be able to put in there, what is my anticipated future uh, benefits? And I bring this all up in that when it comes to para or some kind of an outside benefit, uh, they also, if you put that into the um, search engine, and I actually just did it right now while Bruce was talking, they give very a lot of detail about what you can and can't do with para. All right. Thank you for that call. We have another question on our text line. And it'll probably take way longer than we have available to answer, but we'll do our best. I am 63 years old, plan to work to full retirement, will pay off my mortgage next October. I have 823000 in fidelity. I would like to pay the kids' student loans off, 45000 Would it be prudent to take twenty out of retirement to help pay it off faster? What is your answer? Peg, 
Peg, well, my immediate, retirement my immediate plan. yeah, my immediate re- answer is I would hang out and watch and see if Congress actually gives reprieve right. on loans. I mean, I still don't know that that conclusion is made out there. So I have been encouraging people to not pay off their loans just to see how this is going to come out. Wow. Okay. Very good. I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that, Susie, but also I want to add, um, if they take it out of a retirement plan and it's great that they want to be generous, they got to remember that they're going to pay taxes on that withdrawal. And if they really wanted to help the kids and pay it, my first uh, thought would be, do you have cash or assets not in an IRA or retirement plan that are going to get hit so severely with tax consequences? And maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have another choice. But using the retirement plan, if it got to the point where I was actually going to help them because the government doesn't give them a reprieve, uh, the retirement plan would probably be the last place I would go. Well, listen, we have about two minutes. Let's kind of recap our big picture in terms of knowing what your debt is, understanding whether it's productive or not productive, and just knowing your picture. How important is that as we sort of wrap up this episode of Your Money? Peg. Peg, Peg, you want to put a bow on it? Uh, You go ahead, Bruce. Okay, well, what we talked about in the first half of the show was this idea of a mortgage, all about mortgages and whether or not even have a mortgage when you're retired. And we agreed that um, there's a certain generation that would not even retire until the mortgage was paid off. And more and more we're seeing people are actually retiring and they still have a mortgage and that's okay. But the key is, is to know your overall big picture and what other expenses do you have? And if you include the mortgage, what is your total cost of living and what is your retirement income? And do you have enough income to cover all those expenses so that your your net worth does not shrink and you run out of money before you run out of breath? So the, the, the mindset has changed, and Peg and I are both okay with having a mortgage at retirement. But Peg would also be quick to point out that her most successful clients, people that are really diligent and have done really well, do tend to be debt-free. And I volunteered that I could pay off my mortgage and I choose not to, But I also have to add, I'm not retired yet. When I retire, I probably will pay it off. But you can retire without doing it. You just have to know your big picture. Very good. And we, again, encourage people to go to wealth your money at wealthenhancement.com for questions. And any time, day or night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can call directly to Wealth Enhancement at 888-6-ADVICE. That's 888 Six advice, or again online, your money at wealthenhancement.com. Ladies, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. We shall talk again soon. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc.